Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. This is the first verse of a poem called Hunting Manual by Eleanor Wilner. The unicorn is an easy prey. Its horn in the maiden's lap is an obvious twist, a tamed figure. Like the hawk that once roamed free, but sits now, fat and hooded, squawking on the hunter's wrist. It's easy to catch what no longer captures the mind, long since woven in, a faded tapestry on a crumbling wall made by the women who wore keys at their waists, and in their sleep came hot dreams of wounded knights left bleeding in their care, who would wake the next morning groaning from the leftover lance in the groin, look up into the round blonde face beaming down at them thinking mine and say angel such beasts are easy to catch their dreams betray them but the hard prey is the one that won't come bidden Hello and welcome to Cop On, you roaring flame. I'm delighted you could join us for this episode, which was recorded just before Liverpool's 2-2 draw with plucky Shrewsbury. I was delighted to be joined by Shane Weichel in Los Angeles for this episode, in which we took a wide-lens look at Liverpool FC and our challenges to come, while sharpening our focus onto our next opponents, David Moyes' floundering hammers. I do hope you enjoy the podcast. If so, please do share it with someone that you love or someone that you loathe. Thank you. How excited are you about the FA Cup this year if you compare it to the League Cup? Because the League Cup I didn't give a nuts about because I just wanted the League. But now we're 16 points ahead with a game in hand in the League. I mean, the FA Cup, has it taken on an extra special sort of specialness for you? You know... In some ways it has, just because of the possibility of the potential to uh, complete a trouble. I mean, I, I can't tell you, uh, just for all of the listeners to hear, uh, my a younger brother, uh, Zachary, he is a devout, devout, almost as devout as I am to Liverpool, but to Manchester United, which is a whole other situation. But regardless, he holds that over my head so much is the treble and that treble winning season. And if we could match that and then more with the uh, the intercontinental treble that we've already accumulated, then it would just, ah, oh, it would just be, it would just give me bragging rights for the rest of my life. So yeah, but other than that also, there's a possibility that we could see Adam Lalana lift the trophy. I mean, I mean, I'm anticipating him to be captain for as long as we're running through these teams. I mean, I'm already probably jumping ahead into what I think the lineup is going to be. And I know the lineup's probably going to come out in 20 minutes. But yeah, I mean, if we make it all the way through with this uh, this this ragtag teen titan, Adam Lalana captain-led team, then maybe we could see Adam Lalana do his own little, little trophy lift. But that's uh, <laughs> that might be a, a pipe dream. 
Oh, that's a that's a nice dream. I like it, Chis. And the what's he gonna do? I mean, you've got the Hendo shuffle. I reckon Lalana. What what should he do? Like moonwalk or something before lifting the cup? That would be that would be awesome. That would be fantastic. Um, brilliant. Well, um, because the game, you know, we normally record after the game. The listeners would know that we're not going to talk about Shrewsbury. We can't look into the future. So we're going to today have a general look at what's going on around Liverpool, including this FA Cup. And can I just say that I really want to win it uh, because I really want to win everything, but especially because of our lead in the league. Um, Obviously, I don't mind if we go out, but I think the FA Cup is more prestigious than the League Cup. And, um, you know, we're doing so well in the league that an extra bonus would be lovely. And, uh, you know, not just to spite your brother. I mean, unfortunately, a Man United fan, when you can choose, when you're born away from Liverpool, you can sort of choose your team if you don't have a family tradition. I mean, my word, I believe he's chosen very badly, your brother, and perhaps he needs... Uh, greater guidance from his elder siblings in future um but uh, generally what's happened in the last since the last episode it was bob paisley's birthday as well as my own um far more important sir bob as i like to call him because he was never knighted despite the fact that as in just nine years as the manager he he managed us for 535 games he got six league titles three european cups one uefa cup three league cups just for a laugh and six managers of the year but that's um that's that's 13 major trophies in nine years and then if you add the uh, manager of the year and the community shield and all those extra little uh, awards on it it comes to something like 25 trophies in nine years um my question to you shane because there's lots about this current team being the best in liverpool history but i'm inclined to say that this current team needs not just uh glory this year but a sort of period of domination over the next couple of years to be considered the greatest team ever when you put it in the context of the man, the hero, the legend that is Bob Paisley. What do you think? I think that's an interesting point of view. Uh, I'm really noticing kind of two different schools of thought when it comes to this conversation. And it is absolutely, I mean, almost ridiculous that we are in this conversation, that we are having this conversation right now. I mean, I don't know about you, Owen, but at the beginning of the season, I, I, you know, in my wildest dreams, I did imagine winning every single game because I was like, yeah, we can definitely do that. But actually seeing it happen, I mean, we haven't won every single game. You know, we've lost in the Champions League to Napoli. We drew uh, at Old Trafford to United, you know, but more or less winning every single game. It, it is ridiculous. Now, okay, so I've noticed uh, your point of view uh, echoed a lot, uh, spe- especially with people who uh, are older and who have been watching Premier League or the fir- top flight first division English soccer and the rest of uh, Europe for a long, long time. And then how they compared the two eras and that really the, the conclusion is, is that Liverpool are going to need to sustain this sort of dominance over a long period of time before uh, maybe like three or four seasons of accumulating these league trophies. And to the large extent, I do agree. I do agree. But I've also noticed that I've also noticed that people 
uh, have been talking about how it's harder to sustain uh, dominance or it's just harder to sustain success in the way that football has evolved. We're saying, uh, really citing the Fergie era of United is kind of like the main point to that of like how you would never even have a manager at a club that long ever again. So they're saying that there are some things that cannot be replicated in this day and age in the modern game with how things have changed, how high uh, inflation has gone with player values and just how short managers are at at clubs now and so I, I thought it was interesting so it kind of it kind of it gave me the idea that hmm, is it even really possible to emulate in those day and age because we can't uh, we can't replicate the same sort of situation or the same sort of variables or the same sort of equivalency in money that was going on during Bob Paisley's era so is it even possible to recreate that sort of dominance anyway regardless and so my conclusion on that side of things is that you would have to think that if we really do finish winning every single game from here on in, if we lift all the trophies that are available to us, that you could consider this the greatest single season Liverpool team. Uh, but I don't know if you could if you could say of all time. But I definitely think they would hold their place in history as greatest single season team. Does that make any sense? Did I trail off there or do I just sound crazy? Oh no, I, no, I like it. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, great answer, Shane. Yeah, thank you very much. It's just you brought up United, the Fergie era, the Fergie years. Um, they only topped the ninety point mark twice, and they're best ever um, was I think it was 92 points which of course we surpassed last year 97 points we actually smashed it last year and I think yeah I mean if you if, if you listen to the old Man United players they say that you know they Fergie didn't bother with tactics too much he just wanted each player to to win their personal battles and he used to play 4-4-2 and the game has changed a lot even since his heyday of about you know 15 years ago um but whenever the the, the subject of comparing teams or leagues or or years comes up i mean comparing it to the 70s comparing liverpool to the 70s and 80s you just got to look at the pitches to know how different the game is because you know they would play on basically muddy fields you know i mean if there was sort of a you know you you might lose your left back in a pool of mud uh, back in the 80s and someone had to pull him out you know the stewards had to pull him out they were that bad well almost i might be slightly exaggerating but it's hard to compare through the ages the the um because the game's changed and of course the athleticism of the players has changed but i think that united team relied on individual brilliance too much really um and now this liverpool team if i compare it in a single season like you say if we're just judging on one particular season i've never seen a team as ruthless and relentless and tenacious as ours and any sort of, you know, any lowlife villain, any scumball who wishes to claim that the standard of the Premier League has somehow fallen dramatically this season compared to others, it was so. Is 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 talking absolute nonsense? It was only back in May and June 
that English clubs competed, you know, four English clubs competed in the two major finals of European competition. So the English clubs are effectively the best clubs in Europe, or they were last season. And you mean to tell me that Manchester City, with, you know, the addition of the fantastic Rodri, are somehow a lot worse and, uh, you know, everyone else is just a lot worse. No, I think we've just ruined everybody by being so brilliant. And it's absolutely beautiful. Our last league match, which we haven't talked about on Cop On, was against Wolverhampton Wanderers. We won that one 2-1, of course, away last Thursday. It was a terrific result. What did you think of that match, Shane? Oh, wow. Oh, my. I feel like I start every single one of these, uh, like, match reports that I give on, <laughs> on Liverpool and the league, especially these two ones. It's always, it, I'm always, like, exhausted, exasperated. I mean, it was another late winner. It was fantastic to watch. It was such a, a such a thrilling competition. I definitely, I mean, all of the the sports journalism world who was calling it our toughest match in the Premier League so far, and I would have to agree with them. It was intense, especially coming off the back of a Tottenham United uh, in the previous two matches that we played. I mean, uh, even Klopp said that Adama Traore was unplayable, was his word, unplayable from our manager Jurgen Klopp which is quite a high endorsement and honestly I'm starting to think that he derives all of his powers from tucking in a shirt into his shorts I really do think it's kind of like a retro Superman effect <laughs> that's fantastic yeah Adama Traore let's talk about him he reminded me of the Incredible Hulk if the Incredible Hulk could figure skate that's Adama Traore um, I mean it's is balance, his strength, the way that he was able to dribble around about five of our players. I mean, his end product, he often just sort of whacked it. I mean, he, the cross that was credited as a good cross, it was a good cross, but people said it was an amazing cross for Raul Jimenez. I don't think it was that good, actually. He just sort of stood it up. It was a great run, great header by Raul Jimenez. Uh, but Adama Traore, I, I, he, he excites me. I would love to see Klopp uh, buy him even for you know whatever 50 million or something like that he would be expensive but imagine the fun we could have Shane what do you think would you would you would you sign him up I'm very interested it's it's it, I feel like we've been talking about him since even before we've played them the the first go around I mean he's had kind of a breakout season this year I've heard different uh, points of view say that maybe we should see how he does in a year and but ah, like leave him at Wolverhampton and see and see how his progression goes and see if it curtails off or if he if he somehow gets sloppier but I don't know. Maybe it would be an interesting, an interesting opportunity to jump on before any sort of other club from any sort, of like maybe you know, uh, like Inter or someone else from a different country. Or I could even see him maybe even going to Atletico and some, in some uh, weird world in the future. But uh, yeah, also um, I don't know. I mean. Personally, I've been really keen on signing Raul Jimenez. I thought he would be a great backup who wouldn't mind being on the bench to our front three. And his goal was a, was a pretty well-taken header, especially to get around Big Allison. Um, 
But, uh, but Adama Traore is just the attractive option right now. He seems to have a good attitude and never, never say die mentality. And, that's, and we all know how much Klopp loves that. Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, you're right. You mentioned these other teams he could go to. He could go there into Atletico, these kind of places. But uh, I don't think anyone would get at, get out of him and his career as much as our our staff and Jurgen would. Because, and I would just love to see it because he's just missing being clinical. That's you know, and more productive. Uh, with his uh, final products because the rest I mean his technique is is wild and his pace and his strength I mean he he was I thought it was a brilliant performance by him but speaking of brilliant performances uh, Jordan Henderson our captain got man of the match in many circles um, including the circle of my own head Um, Jordan Henderson (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's um, uh, yeah he's Man of the match, that would make it man of the match. I think in four of the last six or seven matches uh, that we've talked about on Cop On, Henderson is in the form of his life, isn't he? And people are talking about PFA Player of the Year. Um, would you go that far? Because other people are saying that he's not, he's not as, you know, he hasn't been as good as other Liverpool players this season, so he doesn't really deserve Player of the Year. Where do you stand on it? Oh man, yeah. If the P- if the players vote him, then yeah. I mean, he definitely deserves it. My initial thought was like, well, maybe there's there'd be some English favoritism going on. But I mean, at the same time, I'm like, for Jordan Henderson to ever be in the conversation for English favoritism would be absolutely ridiculous, and just show what like what an arc he's been through as a player to be saying that he is <laughs> he is on the end of any sort of uh, nepotism or favoritism at all. I mean, this guy has been the most malign Blind captain from the from the onset start since taking over from Steven Gerrard and yeah it's completely understandable but I mean it, it almost brings tears to my eyes to see like how how he has survived through different eras of Liverpool in recent history since he's signing from Sunderland and then just and just how he has elevated his game each and every season and and you're right we are in we are in the form of his life i mean he was the english captain and they took it away to give it to harry kane because harry kane is you know the brand the marquee name but jordan henderson is the leader he's the example and i would love nothing more to see him lift the remaining trophies that we have to lift and then in the year of 2020s to to really lift that trophy for england i mean i think that would just Stick it to all of the Jordan Henderson haters out there. It just—it is really absolutely ridiculous. Going to go quickly, quickly going to his performance. I mean, I know I don't—I haven't touched on stats enough in this podcast, but I mean, he had 81 passes, 80% completion. Um, he had a, a you know a goal and an assist, uh, especially for the winner, which was absolutely a ridiculous uh, finisher from Bobby Dazzler, but uh, which is my favorite. Bobby Firmino nickname. I'll have to ask what your favorite Bobby Firmino nickname is in a minute. But um, but yeah, Jordan Henderson. Ah, you just you just there's just no words to say other than ah. Uh, I just the word leader just comes to mind, and that's the only thing that's sticking to my mind. Sorry if I'm not as eloquent as I usually am. Well, that's uh, you're very eloquent indeed. I mean, it's 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 very early in the morning in Los Angeles as we're recording this, so thank you. I mean, it's incredible how how eloquent you are at, at this time because the word leader is exactly the right word, and it's the it, it's the word that you know you you would hope that uh, Jordan Henderson himself would enjoy 
being called because he's he's the ultimate leader. He's the leader of this team. In 22 matches this season, he's now got two goals and three assists. Uh, which and last season he got uh, in 32 matches he got one goal and three assists in 17, 18, 27 matches one goal and one assist. This is in the Premier League. Of course, and uh, in those couple of seasons, of course, he was playing a bit deeper in the six. But it's lovely to see him up up there. And you mentioned Bobby Dazzler. Yeah, Bobby Dazzler. I mean, Bobby Firmino. Um, I like the way that uh, everyone calls him Bobby. I mean, it's, it's not really his name, is it? It's just uh, since he came to Liverpool, we called, a, we called him Bobby's. But Bobby Dazzler, the man is brilliant. That finish was brilliant. And we think about late goals in the season and how crucial they are um, it, apparently um, he has contributed according to Paul Gorst from the Liverpool Echo Bobby Firmino has contributed to crucial goals that have won us 15 points in the league already this season and when we consider that we are 16 ahead you could say he's quite an important player for us he's absolutely crucial we love him um, so the late goals of this season, uh, brilliant tweet by at DJ Menace UK. Uh, there's a lovely list for you. 95 minutes was Mane versus Chelsea. I think that must have been in the Super Cup. Um, Firmino versus Burnley, 80 minutes. Milner versus Leicester was uh, in injury time as well. That penalty, 92 minutes, I believe it was. Lalana versus Man United, 85 minutes. Origi versus Arsenal in the League Cup. That was about 95 minutes as well. Robertson versus Villa, 87 minutes. And uh, in the same match, of course, Mane versus Villa in injury time. Firmino versus Palace. Again, that man, Bobby, um, in eighty in the 85th minute, he, he popped up against Palace, got that winner, stroked it in with his left foot into the corner of... Uh, uh, corner of the net after a corner if you remember that one he swung his left boot and it got a lovely connection beautiful finish uh, in a packed box then he scored uh, both matches uh, in the Club World Cup Championship against Monterey and Flamengo the Monterey one was in the 90th minute uh, uh, against Flamengo was in extra time Salah scored against Manchester United in injury time, additional time, whatever you want to call it. And in the last match, Bobby Firmino again versus Wolves. His fifth late goal of the season. Bobby Dazzler, um, the man is the system, but he seems to have shaken off any bits of tiredness that seemed to be creeping into his game a couple of months ago, hasn't he? And he looks, I mean... Oh, I would I would pay to watch him play if it was just him. You know what I mean? I'd pay just to watch him train in a five-a-side match or something because he's just he's just electric, isn't he? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he is. He is incredibly electric. He he's one of the most exciting players in world football. And I think we've said on this podcast before that there is a strong possibility. If simulation theory is real, then there's also an equal possibility that we're all living inside Bobby Firmino's head. So, I mean, yeah, I I'm totally on board <laughs> with this theory. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we're inside Bobby Firmino. We're all inside Bobby Firmino's head. Um, absolutely. Uh, uh, but I think maybe you ask us in 10 years and uh, it might be Trent Alexander-Arnold's universe that uh, Bobby Firmino's head exists in. 
Um, uh, let's uh, think about, you know, generally, again, uh, we're 40 games unbeaten in the league, um, which is absolutely crazy, isn't it? 40 games unbeaten. Chelsea, Chelsea's best ever was 40 games. Uh, Nottingham Forest back in the day 42 games unbeaten and this is sorry and this is in all leagues by the way this is not just the Premier League Hud, because Huddersfield did it they went 43 games unbeaten um, I think that was in the David Wagner years but when they were in the lower leagues uh, a few years ago and then Arsenal of course their invincibles went 49 unbeaten uh, do you think about these kind of unbeaten run? I mean, do do you really care? I mean, let's say, for example, you know, we lose a match but then win the next 10. I mean, does it really matter to you? It, it seems to be... <laughs> I mean, it's definitely... Like, okay, so I'll just be honest. Yes, of course I do. Yeah, I, I get into it. It's kind of like my job as a fan to, like, really get really excited about these things just so we can say these titles of greatest of all time or greatest single season but also at the same time i recognize that klopp gives he gives absolutely zero cares in the world at all he doesn't use he doesn't lose a single wink of sleep or over or over any of this i know that he, the players aren't supposed to focus on this at all uh, I know that it doesn't mean anything to the people, to the team that we actually love who are actually doing the work that that's producing these numbers. But to the rest of us, I mean, it's it's just an incredible sign of like what they're achieving at the moment. And if yeah, it'll be like a slight like, ugh, they didn't they didn't you know they didn't get to the top spot. But also, it's no big deal if they don't either because it's not like this season is worth anything less if they don't make those numbers at all. So I'm I'm happy as happy as could be. It could it could fall one way. I'd be just as happy. It could fall another way. It would be great. Uh, but it would be nice to to be top of that perch. Well, it would be. Um, you're absolutely right, yes. I mean, me too. I would love to just, you know, I don't know, have more ammo to throw back at people who have mocked us, mocked us for years for being deluded Liverpool fans, thinking our team is the greatest, but actually it is, isn't it? Um, I don't know. It, it, it will... I don't know. I, I, no, I don't want to say boil people's piss. It's too... It's too vulgar. It will... Um, it will certainly annoy them. Um, the team's just out, by the way, for the Shrewsbury. Adrian in goal, Nico Williams, Matip, Lovren, LaRussi at the back. And then it's Fabinho, Chirivella, Jones in midfield with Minamino, Elliott and Origi up front. A really exciting game. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> really exciting lineup that is. Um, our squad it just seems to be getting better and better at bringing Elliot and Jones through and Minamino through. Chirivella as well, interesting one. I thought he was brilliant uh, in the last game against Everton. Um, our squad is fantastic, isn't it, Shane? And uh, who are you most excited to watch of of these youngsters of that lineup? Yeah, I'm looking at the lineup right now. I don't see any Adam Lallana there. I'm guessing he, there's this whole chest infection, quote unquote, slash it might be an injury cover. Who knows at this at this point? 
Oh, but yeah, I mean, for the out of the kid, out of the the younger players, they're not kids, you know, they're early twenties. I guess you could say that it, that is kids. I mean, Shiravella has was has been particularly exciting. He, uh, the way that he holds the ball in midfield and the way that he's able to function tactically from side to side, because uh, he's typically played in a center position. I'm really excited to see him. I know Jones is. I know Jones is the one who kind of grabs all the attention, him and Elliot. And then also I wanted to ask you, oh, Larici. Oh, yeah, of course, Larici. He's probably, he's, yeah, he's definitely filling in for left back. I, I think he's I think he's due for a, a, a kind of a breakout game. But, yeah, with this sort of lineup, I'm very, very confident that we're definitely going to get the result against Shrewsbury. What did you make? Uh, did you see Minomino's comments uh, this week about his performance in the game against Wolves? He seemed rather – I should have pulled it up immediately. I could, you know, if I'm going to quote him, I should do it verbatim. But um, – in summary, he kind of was kind of he was a little bit hard on himself for his overall performance against Wolves, and I didn't think he did anything wrong. I mean, he was put on the field on the spot thirty minutes in after Sadio Mane pulls his hamstring or calf or something like that. I'm hoping Mane isn't too injured long term, but he was kind of just put on the spot and put into a difficult position, and he had to do a lot of running back, which he wasn't he, he wasn't probably particularly used to all the defending that Sadio Mani has to do as well. That's why I think we saw some gaps in Robertson's play. But did you see those comments from Minamino? Uh, I didn't, but I'm looking at them now. Um, that Metro.co.uk, the bastion of fine journalism, uh, reports him to have said, I feel the manager's trust in me, so I really want to repay him. Personally, I'm not satisfied with my own performance at Wolves, so I want to meet the expectations of the people who support me. I was mentally ready to go, and all I was thinking was how to fit into the team smoothly and get into the game. I don't feel any pressure. I'm not sure how much expectation has been put on me, but I have nothing to lose. I can play on either side, but it was more about how to link up with the fullbacks. If we can build a better understanding of each other, I'm sure it will get even better. They scored an equaliser after I came on, so I was desperate to contribute to the winning goal in any way I can. Could. After we scored the second goal, I made sure to keep it simple and defend solidly. So it seems like, yes, he was a little bit hard on himself. Interesting that he wants to make a better link up with the full-backs. I'm sure it'll come, but I love those comments. I think that's someone who understands that he can get better that it, you know he seems 100% focused that he wants to get better and it seems like exactly the right kind of mentality that we need we might have found another gem here Shane another one <laughs> yeah no you're right and in the way that you read that it sounded so much clearer uh for his intent and meaning so yeah so he wasn't being too hard on himself at all that's he was actually probably hitting par for a, uh, a post-match clock player sort of interview for how their kind of uh, how the kind of group mentality shines through, and even in those individual interviews that we see uh, and where their focus is. So yeah, no, I'm excited for him. He's due for a goal. I mean, this is going to be what his third or fourth game, third game overall, I think. Yeah, because he was in the last FA Cup game, he was in the Wolverhampton game, and then this one. So yeah, I think he's due for a goal, and I can't wait to see him get his first one in. Yeah, and that little touch that uh, he did when he, you know, he received the ball, the Wolves player was charging at him, and he just dinked it over his head. I mean, that 
is the kind of stuff that makes me... I don't know, I go all misty-eyed. I feel all fluffy and warm when I see that genius on the football field. Absolutely terrific. Let's move on to a preview of our next Premier League match then. West Ham United. I want to spend a bit longer previewing than we normally do for this Premier League because that's the big one that's the one that we all want and we're so close we need 27 points from 15 games and you know a trip to the London Stadium to see West Ham uh, you know on Wednesday night it should be the exactly the right kind of game that we uh, that we want right now because unfortunately for them they're in all sorts of bother they're I don't know they're not just in a pickle they're in a sort of bucket of sulfuric acid and they're dissolving away before our very eyes I feel sorry for them I do the West Ham fans the nice ones not the hooligans that I know there are as well but I feel sorry for the West Ham fans um um the their record in the Premier League if we go back over their last I think is nine fixtures they've won only two of them they've drawn one and they've got six losses. They lost away to Wolverhampton 2-0. Then they lost to Arsenal 3-1 at home. West Ham were at home. Uh, then they went away to Southampton and they won 1-0. Great result for them. Before losing away to Palace. And then at home again to Leicester City. And then at home they beat Bournemouth 4-0. Crazy result on the 1st of January. But that's Bournemouth who were in a lot of difficulty with injuries at that time. And then uh, they lost to Sheffield United away. Then they drew with Everton. They only drew with Everton. That's how bad they are. And then in their last Premier League match, they lost 4-1 away to Leicester City. Uh, oof, it was a ugly, ugly performance by West Ham United. They played a Christmas tree formation. Uh, David Moyes, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but uh, he set them up in a Christmas tree formation with Randolph in goal. Their back four was Zabaleta. Oh, I was shocked that he's still playing. Ogbonna, Cresswell, Masuak, uh, sorry, and, and Diop. And then in midfield, they had Masuaku, Noble, Snodgrass, who went off injured, Lanzini, Rice, and then Haller was up front as well. It, you know, oh, it was pretty horrible. I mean, he played Lanzini up up front, a sort of number ten. It didn't work at all. They were ab abject, absolutely abject. Have you seen West Ham recently? I mean, I think it's their, you know, since Moyes take took over in the past few games or under Pellegrini. What do you make of this 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 team that's just crumbling? I think you summed it up very well. I mean, it's it's interesting that even David Moyes is back uh, for his second stint there. I mean, this West Ham team, I feel like uh, 18 months ago, they were putting together some stronger performances than what we're seeing right now. I mean, uh, Felipe Anderson. Did you mention Felipe Anderson at all? Uh, no, I didn't, no. I think he's injured, though, for this match, isn't he? Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, he's leading the team right now with only four assists so far in the Premier League for their for their whole side. Uh, the next closest one is Snodgrass with three, uh, and that's out and that's out of over a thousand minutes. Um, it's 
Yeah, it, it is kind of hard to pinpoint where exactly is going. What exactly is going on? I do pay attention to almost every single match in the Premier League, so I do get to see some sort of summary, even if it's only a fifteen-minute uh, highlight reel of their matches. But it it they are kind of leaking goals from open play, especially. Let's see. They've they leak. They've leaked in twenty-five goals in overall. Um, from open play, and then at home, 12 of those have come into play, five from set piece, two from penalties. So they're not doing themselves any favors uh, defensively whatsoever. And overall, I just think that the team has kind of been a victim of really kind of a poor mentality, and then with also the sacking of Manuel Pellegrini, who, by the way, won the Premier League in, you know, two, what was it, 2013-14? Or was it 2012-2013? I might have mixed up those years. But uh, Manuel Pellegrini is a Premier League winning manager. So, I mean, I know people aren't exactly as happy about him as uh, as they used to be when he was ever at City. But it, you're right, they're sitting at 23 points. They have a goal differential of negative 11. That's the only thing that's keeping them above relegation. Right now, things are, are not in a good place. Uh, I just think... Uh, I don't. It's not going to be an easy match uh, by no stretch of the imagination because they've got some. They've got some fight to them, and they're going to be. They're going to be in this fight to get out of this relegation zone, especially with the new manager. And then Declan Rice. I mean, he's a he's a bright, promising talent. They have players that do have ability. I mean, especially. I mean, when he's not injured, Felipe Anderson. He was their record-breaking si- signing, I believe, for like thirty in the thirty million area, but. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of hard to pinpoint how they're going to set up. I haven't been able to see too much. What was their? Do you know what their formation was in the most recent FA Cup match uh, yesterday against West Brom, which was unfortunately, I guess, a loss for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right to bring that up. I didn't watch the match, but I, I, I read. I've read a lot about it, researched a bit. Uh, David Moyes. I heard him being interviewed after the match when he said, because the 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 question from the BBC reporter was about the fact that they didn't have a decent chance until the 92nd minute, and David Moyes said, "Yeah, that's uh, that's a bit of a worry because in the first half we played with two up front, and then in the second half." They played with three up front, and West Brom had a had a man sent off in the seventy second minute. West Ham are at home, and they still managed to lose one nil. I think their big problem is pace. I have to say, and the midfield, and you know the fact that they still have to play Zabaleta, who by now just belongs in a TV studio as far away from a pitch as possible. Um, unfortunately, I mean, he's a great player. He was a marvellous, marvellous player. But uh, there's no way that he should be starting in the Premier League, surely. Um, yeah, I'd, I didn't see the match myself, but the, the comments... I've, I've been looking at a, at a, um, a, a, a forum online for West for West Ham fans it's called Knees Up Mother Brown or K-U-M-B or cum.com don't let anybody look at your search history for looking up that one it's <laughs> it's just uh, it's just a, uh, um, a West Ham forum and if you just look at the thread titles I've got it in front of me there's one about David Moyes being um, 
appointed the manager and if you just look at the past couple of pages there'll be things like you know I I, I, I can't wait to see him go I think he should walk already I think he's a very crude manager these are things I'm just flicking through he should have got a job more suited to his level like the championship these are the kind of things that the fans are really against David Moyes and then you scroll down the other threads and it's got you know they're, they're planning um, marches against the board uh, and this is the same board that only five years ago, when they spent God knows how much uh, on on Andy Carroll, I think, or he was still there at that time, um, and they were saying, you know, West Ham could be challenging for the Premier League and Champions League by 2020 with the right investment. But as it turns out, the the owners took over when West Ham were in 16th position in the Premier League. And now, as we speak, they're around about 16th. Um, I, I can check that. But uh, yes, they're 17th in the Premier League. Wow. And they're actually outperforming their XG by plus three in the XG table so the form book says they should actually do a lot worse as we move into the final part of the season so it's absolutely tragic times they've got protests they don't like the manager uh, there's one guy who started a thread saying um, you know has my fire really gone out and that touched me you know someone who's just lost his love for football because they're so rubbish is this the kind of team that's gonna beat us Shane just because football and the football gods have a great sense of humor don't they <laughs> yeah they really do they actually they actually do I mean I'm not going to say it has banana peel written all over it, you know, uh, but it could potentially be a banana peel. I mean, I think the I think the number one job is just to not let off in any sort of way and to approach the game the same no matter what our lineup is. But I do think it is a potential opportunity for Klopp to rotate and for us to still maintain our winning record. And that's no disrespect to them whatsoever, um, but... Uh, but yeah, as all of the things that you've mentioned before, and then also with uh, with just how they're statistically performing with their with their xG total, it just seems as if we could get away with a clean sheet and three points. And I say that with uh, the utmost respect because you know they are professionals, but it's just not coming together this season. And it happens to it happens to a number of clubs every season in the Premier League. You know, it has to be somebody, and that's why it's so interesting every season to look at who's doing well and who's not and just it just feeds into the whole narrative but whenever you're part of the yang to the ying so to speak whenever we're doing so phenomenally well to look at a club that is in this sort of situation i mean it wasn't too long ago it felt like we could have uh, been labeled as somewhat of a a similar situation as well maybe not as badly but uh, but we've been there before haven't we well yes absolutely no absolutely i, I I mean that this every single game I've got in the back of my mind this could be a the banana skin that you mentioned before could be a the potential banana skin but this one I'm 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 supremely confident it's very rare for me to be supremely confident very very rare it happens once or twice a season maybe uh, but this one I just can only see it going one way I don't think David Moyes is the man for the job for them. I think he's a bit of a crazy appointment to get him back, especially as I've been researching their their you know, his his old 
team, his backroom staff, his, his, his colleagues that he usually brings with him. Only one of them has gone with with him that time, and that's Alan Irvin, and the rest of them he had uh, the, in his last stint at West Ham. He had experienced people like Stuart Pearce and other people who may not be, you know, the sharpest tools in the shed or the brightest balloon in the packet, but they're, you know, they nevertheless they'll give him some kind of ideas. He just seems out on his own, and I just, oh, I don't know, is it the old Man United, the fact he's ex Man United or Everton? But I don't know, I just think. Since he left Everton back in 2013, he's been rubbish everywhere he's gone. And I'm just surprised that he's got another chance at another Premier League team. Am I being too harsh, Shane? I don't know. I mean, whenever whenever a manager seems to be in a decline in their career... Rather, if you were to look at anyone's career really as sort of like a like a line graph chart, whenever they're going up and whenever they're going down, we're definitely in a period where it seems to have plateaued and then lowered from from his previous stints over at uh, Everton and United. And so, yeah, he he's kind of he's has to change. He has to evolve as well, just like players have to evolve, just like clubs have to evolve. And for I mean, we can even see with Jose Mourinho that that's a difficult process as well. Whenever the game evolves in a certain way, and then you have to either choose to double down on how you how you approach the game or if you're saying hey i need to completely melt myself down and regalvanize myself and rebuild myself into something completely and totally different for a professional at that high level that is extremely hard i mean it's almost even in my mind it's almost admirable that even after sort of these sort of maligned runs as a manager at bigger clubs that he could even get uh, a job at West Ham to, uh, at such a big club without having to prove himself maybe elsewhere in Europe, maybe in like a Norwegian club or maybe even a, a, a mid-table Italian club. The fact that he can get into what, I mean, I'm I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think West Ham is one of the wealthiest clubs in the Premier League. I might be wrong about that, but... Um, I, I think it's I think it's something to be said for that, and we'll see what happens from here. I mean, every everything is an opportunity. Uh, I believe that's a direct quote from Jurgen Klopp: "Is everything is an opportunity to completely put away the past behind you and start anew and turn a new chapter." And that is something that I think all of us are capable of. And I would I would like to see him do that because I mean, there was a time whenever he was a, a celebrated manager to uh, to some extent. So, but I don't know if it's going to happen against Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully not. Let's get into our lineup. Uh, Robbo's rested today, um, so would you go with uh, with him? I mean, obviously, Allison in goal, and uh, the you know the usual back four. Now that you know Matip and Lovren are back, uh, yeah, would you go with that? And our usual back four, as in Trent, Gomez. Virgil, Robbo, does that sound good to you? Yeah, absolutely. Especially looking at the lineup that we have out right now against Shrewsbury. I mean, everyone seems to be rested. Uh, Virgil van Dijk isn't even on the bench. So, yeah, no, we have... We have... Uh, yeah, I definitely think, especially with Fabinho starting, I think this is just a great way to get some minutes into his legs and for him to, to uh, get some playing time back in. So I definitely think, uh, as boring as it's going to sound, I think we're going to see the return of Klopp's favorite lineup of the Alexander-Arnold, uh, Joe Gomez, uh, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Andrew Robertson, then 
uh, Fabinho, Genie, and Henderson, and then Salah, Mane, Firmino. I know that sounds incredibly boring, but barring anything is... Oh, well, actually, Mane. Now that I think about it, Mane's not on the bench right now. So I think we might not be able to play Mane. So it might be an Origi Minamino situation over there instead, which I would not mind one bit. And if it's not going to be Fabinho in the midfield, then I definitely think it's going to be Oxlade-Chamberlain. And I think uh, Keita would be a great substitution in that match as well. Are you happy go, uh, just swapping? Let's say Sadio Mane is out. I mean, hopefully he isn't. But uh, you know, he did. He was substituted early in the, in the last match um, against Wolves. If he is out for any time, would you tweak the formation at all, or would you just bring in either Minamino or Origi? And also, of those two, which one's your favourite? So, just based on the just based on the opponent at the moment and the way things are going, I think it would be interesting to see Menamino start. But I do think Ariki overall in the roster has the sort of seniority to to be given the start because I mean of everything that he's done for us in recent performances uh, or over the past year. Um, I do think we will. We might critique formation as we go through the game especially if we get a goal and we might start off with the typical 4-3-3 but I mean correct me if I'm wrong correct me if I'm wrong but I thought in our Wolves match that we somehow switched to maybe a 4-4-1-1 with Salah up top with Firmino behind him and then uh and then everyone else in those in those two fours i might be wrong about that it might have just been a 4231 as i was just watching it with my eyes what did you make of the we cuz we didn't we didn't maintain the 433 through the whole wolves match i think you're right 44111 uh, although i find it very hard to sort of watch from an analytical point of view when i'm watching liverpool i could do it with any other team but with us i just i just sort of too focused on the ball and and uh, you know like it's I don't know just the emotions of everything takes me away to a different planet and I find it hard to analyze but yes I think you're right it was a four there was a four four one one towards the end of that game um I think is we've got options and this FA Cup game against Shrewsbury you know shows that we have a a deep squad um and uh, some of them are kids I mean you know, Harvey Harvey Elliott is technically a child because he's sixteen, uh, but uh, it's um, you know he's an amazing talent. I can't wait to see him coming through. And I wonder if if we put aside things like seniority that you mentioned before, could if he plays well against Shrewsbury, could he be a wild card? to keep his place against West Ham? Would you do something like that, maybe, to to spring a surprise? Definitely, possibly. I mean, if we'll see how he does today. I mean, if he walks away with the hat trick, you would have to almost definitely give it to him. But I think, uh, I think based on his performance today, we might definitely see an appearance from him. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it would be starting. It could be starting, but I could definitely see him coming off the bench with Keita and maybe a double sub around the 60th minute, just based on, or the 70th minute, just based on how the game is going. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's very exciting as well. Who's... Do you think he's the most likely uh, player out of uh, this sort of lineup among like Jones, Chiravella, Larici, uh, Neko Williams? Do you think he's the most likely to be given a uh, a senior appearance in a Premier League match? Um, yeah, well, as in the next one, um, I think it depends. I think Curtis Jones is probably ahead of him, but 
it depends on injuries. I mean, the thing is with Curtis Jones, he's basically he looks like he's he's more of a number eight than a than a winger. He's a number eight or maybe even a number ten. Uh, we don't play with a number ten, or we do with Bobby in the number ten, and no one's getting rid of Bobby uh, unless he's injured, and then someone like Minamino will probably come in to replace him there. Um, but I just think if Mane's injured. You just have, I don't know, he just seems more of a natural wide player. I mean, he also looks like he could develop into a, an absolutely top, world-class even midfielder. Obviously, it's a, there's a long way to go in his development until he gets there because he's just a child. But, but Harvey Elliott just seems to have the whole world at his feet. He just seems like a more natural footballer in general. And I think he would be very good on the wing. I think Curtis Jones is slightly ahead of him in the pecking order, given how brilliantly he's played in his you know, glimpses of first-team action this year. But uh, Harvey Elliott, I mean, against Aston Villa, for example, is still a performance I think about. Even though we lost 5-0, I do still remember the fact that I think he got four or five key passes in that match, and he could have set up at least three goals. Um absolutely terrific can't wait to see him but yes this we've got options everywhere everywhere in midfield if you think about it I would love to see you say it sounds boring it sounds boring as in it sounds predictable I know what you're saying but uh, it's you know in terms of the football it sounds anything but boring it sounds absolutely thrilling to have uh, Fabinho, Hendo and Vijnaldum playing together in midfield and this is an area that's underrated about Liverpool's game, I think our central midfield is superb because our strength and depth now Cater is back Chamberlain is back uh, Milner's still to come back from injury we've got Lalana doing really well when he's coming, apart from maybe the last match he wasn't brilliant, but you know, he's in general I've got no problems with that, I think he's an excellent player we've got strength in depth everywhere um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's my, it's my ultimate answer to that one. <laughs> I just thought of something. I just thought of something. This might be crazy. I know in, in no sane mind would anyone suggest uh, putting Alison Becker on the bench. But would you give Adrian a chance to go up against his former West Ham club? Would you give him a chance? Oh no, absolutely not. No, I'm I, I'm anti-sentimentality in football. I have to say, I'm anti it. I think it's uh, I think it's overdone, and it's always done for the wrong reasons. Just because you know, just for the wouldn't it be nice? Yes, it would be lovely for Adrian to get a chance against West Ham, who criminally underrated him and didn't offer him uh, what he wanted to keep him at their club. And now look at them. Um, yeah, Adrian, I love the guy. I think he's brilliant. I think he should get every single FA Cup game. It doesn't matter how far we progress in the tournament because I think he deserves more football. But hopefully, you know, I don't know, if we're 7-0 if we're up against Atletico Madrid in the second leg, then you bring him on with 20 minutes to go. I don't know. But no, I'm happy. Keep Alisson, um, keep Alisson as happy as possible. And footballers are only happy when they're playing, really only truly happy and Alison Becker some of his stats looking at him there was something that the the excellent stats bomb people posted it was a comparison of Kepper and Alison in the league um 
expected goals against okay the back to the old xg but this is against expected goals against liverpool are at 21.52 goals that are expected to have gone in against us and chelsea are 21.54 so there's 0.02 difference only in expected goals against but if you look at the goals against column the actual goals against column for both teams liverpool are on 14 when we should have conceded 21.52 and Chelsea are on 30 conceded when they should have uh, conceded 21.54 so this Kepa who was more expensive than Allison, appears to be well fraud is too much but appears to be criminally overrated is that unfair Shane or is Allison just just by far the best player and we shouldn't be too harsh on Kepa the keeper I think Kepa is is a great athlete. Obviously, I think he I think he's having an adjustment period. I mean, he's brand new to the Premier League. I think it's really hard to compare him whenever we have such like. I mean, Allison Becker's won every single like individual uh, goal uh, keeper trophy that you could possibly win in a single year. So it's it's. I would say if you were to remove Allison Becker from a world, in, in what a sad world that would be. I think Keppa would would look a, a way above average. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think his. I don't think the way they've been setting up defensively at Chelsea has been helping him out either. I mean, Chelsea has had a really, really, really hard time staying uh, tactically strong defensively, especially I believe around the sixty or seventy minute mark. I do believe they tend to leak more goals around that area than any other time. And I also have noticed. Uh, thank you for providing these stats as well. That a lot of uh, that XG for the. Uh, the two one point five four comes from set pieces as well, so I do think they are kind of weak when it comes to defending against set pieces. Um, yeah, I do think he is he is overpriced as a keeper, but during that season, every keeper was overpriced because that was what the market determined, and we decided to spend that money instead on Allison Becker, which has been worth every single penny and even more considering the blocks he's come up with to advance us in other tournaments, including the Champions League. So. Yeah, I do think Keppa is getting, kind of getting the short end or the short straw, but uh, you know, he does he does look really good in that highlight that I watch over and over again, where Salah just barrels it from outside the box into the corner. I mean, the way he jumps up and it just goes past his hand. I mean, he's fifty percent of that amazing highlight reel of seeing him not make the save. So you have to give him that. It's <laughs> good, excellent stuff. Yeah, we got two. We got two marvelous. Marvellous keepers at the club. It's, it's, it's superb stuff. Our next matches then, we've got West Ham, uh, Liverpool, Southampton is on the 1st uh, of February. Uh, and then on the 15th of February, we've got Norwich City away. And then the 18th uh, of February, Tuesday, we're away to Atletico Madrid. So we've got three lovely games coming up. We've got West Ham United, Southampton at home, and then we're going away to Norwich City. Um, obviously, you would expect nine points out of nine, but would you accept maybe seven? Would you accept us even losing a match? Ooh, with the, with the matches that we have coming up, I'm going to pull them up on my side. In the Premier League, so we've got West Ham, Southampton, like uh, like you just mentioned. N you know what? I I mean, if a loss does happen, a loss happens. You know, we'll we'll 
we'll chalk it up to that. And if anything, it might put a fire in our belly to uh, to revamp our game. But, but I could only see us losing a match in that run if we're uh, if we slack off at all, or if we somehow switch off, or if there's any sort of injuries or instability in the team. But if all continues as it's going, which is incredible that it it has been going this well. I don't see any potential loss in that sort of uh, in that sort of run until we get to Man City, which will probably be the hardest remaining match of the season. It certainly looks that way on paper. Yet Man City, that's all the way on the fourth of April. Before then, yet yeah, uh, West Ham, Southampton, Norwich, Atletico Madrid, West Ham again, Watford, Bournemouth. Atletico Madrid for the return match that's on the 11th of March then Everton Liverpool Crystal Palace are coming to Anfield and then it's City Liverpool there's a long way to go in this season still a long way to go until that match and then we've got another one two three four five six games after that which hopefully the league will be a procession by then we can just sort of dance around for months I might start up you know a party that lasts for months if and when we do win this Premier League uh, it's absolutely superb Atletico Madrid they might have Cavani by the time we play them that's an interesting rumour going around to this January transfer window but um, we're not going to get into all that stuff we're fine we don't need any more players if our transfer committee surprise us with snoogie doogie then we'll be absolutely delighted with that um shane thank you very much for joining me it's been really nice just uh, just speaking to you t- today um absolutely great thanks for waking up early and now we've got a uh, about 19 minutes until kickoff in the FA Cup match where hopefully we can kick back and relax and watch these incredible youngsters get us through. If that doesn't happen, so be it. We've still got bigger fish to fry with the Premier League and the Champions League. But thank you very, very much, Shane. It's been a real pleasure. Of course, Owen, it has definitely been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I would I would wake up any time in the morning, stay up as late as you want just to talk to you about Liverpool. It's absolutely wonderful to, to do this podcast with you and a very special birthday to you and everyone in the the cop on community and the liverpool fan media around the world really does appreciate your voice far and wide across this world man it's really incredible what you've put together in like just like a year and a half it really is it really is spectacular man uh and two things i just wanted or i guess three things i wanted to bring up is yes Definitely up the Reds for against Shrewsbury. I'd also like to send out a special congratulations to the Liverpool FC women who beat Blackburn Rovers 8-1 to in the fourth round of the Women's FA Cup. That's absolutely incredible and should be celebrated. And then the last, last little bit, uh, I wish I had more West Ham stats whenever we were talking West Ham, but I actually got sidetracked because I found out that Alfred Hitchcock is their most famous fan of all time. And I saw that in his biography, it was the local team that he grew up around and was a West Ham fan for his life. So I thought that was I thought that was funny. So I guess the way to end it, I could ask you a question is, if our Liverpool team were one Alfred Hitchcock movie, which Alfred Hitchcock movie would we be? I, I don't watch all that many um, Hitchcock movies, but I'm going to slightly swerve your question by saying that, you know, West Ham themselves have been true to Alfred Hitchcock uh, history 
by dialing M for murder, and that M is Moyes. So they've dialed Moyes <laughs> for murder. How about you? I was going to go with birds. <laughs> oh, yes. Just because... The, the bird. <laughs> right. Well, just because of that, but not only that, but no matter who we put out there, they just we just seem to come out of nowhere, and by the end, everyone is dead. So I definitely think that describes us. <laughs> Brilliant. Great stuff. Thank you, Shane. Uh, thank you very much. Have a great day. Enjoy the match. Enjoy the... Uh, and, you know, thanks to everybody who's listening as well. Very, very appreciated. Of course, of course. So, there we have it. As the metal shutter rolls noisily down the shop front of this week's episode, may I just remind you that you can follow us on Twitter, at CopOnPodcast. You can send us your hate mail to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast for as little as one US dollar per month. Or if none of those options floats your boat, tickles your pickles, or grips your nips. Perhaps you would consider sharing Copon with someone who may enjoy it. Thanks also for all the lovely, many lovely birthday messages I received. It's not every day one turns 40, and I had a lovely time eating my way through towers and castles of cake. Yum. Today's underwhelming performance is not a surprise to me, by the way, because we're usually relatively bad around my birthday time. But hopefully, hopefully, by Wednesday night, we can all celebrate having hammered the hammers. Thank you.